1: Last Thursday, we learned from ProPublica reporter Justin Elliott and his co authors that Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas has expensive taste. For example, in 2019, just after Thomas finished his responsibilities with the court in Washington, he hopped on board a very special private jet.
0: It's a uh, Bombardier Global 5000. And if you were to go on the open market to charter one of these for a trip, we were told that you'd be paying easily ten to $15,000 per flight hour.
1: The destination? Indonesia.
0: That's a flight that takes 25, 30 hours at least. So if you start just doing the arithmetic on the flight alone, it's an extraordinary amount of money.
1: But the decadence was only beginning... Thomas then joined some very wealthy friends on a 162-foot super yacht called the Michaela Rose. Of course, it was decked out with all the amenities.
0: It has a whole staff of chefs and people that clean and serve you and uh, drive you around on little motorboats, jet skis. Uh, it has a giant rubber duck that they sort of play with, um, and so that yeah, yeah, uh, this was a you know the type of luxury that is only available to you know the 0.01 percent
1: a trip like this is estimated to cost around five hundred thousand dollars and this wasn't the only luxury trip thomas has been on he's taken numerous jaunts on private jets he's gone to an all-male retreat in california he spent a week nearly every summer at camp topridge a private resort in the adirondacks
0: you know this is not an ordinary kind of summer lake house. We're talking about 100 plus acre property. It it has its own chapel. It has tennis court, batting cage, multiple boathouses, more than 25 fireplaces.
1: The resort's owner has also added some unique features.
0: So he created a replica of uh, Hagrid's hut from the Harry Potter books. He has like a 1950s-style soda fountain room where you can, you can get a milkshake made for you. Everyone who visits there says it's just an incredibly memorable place.
1: But the problem with these revelations isn't the extravagance or the cost. It's the fact that Clarence Thomas did not pay for these trips himself. A recent ProPublica investigation revealed that for two decades, Clarence Thomas has been gifted vacations and private jet rides by Harlan Crow, a billionaire Republican megadonor. ProPublica's reporting suggests that Clarence Thomas may have broken the law by not disclosing these free vacations. And even in cases where he did not break the law, these trips raise ethical concerns about outside influence on the Supreme Court. On Friday, Thomas issued a response. He stated that colleagues in the judiciary told him, quote, this sort of personal hospitality from close personal friends who did not have business before the court was not reportable, end quote. He also asserted that he'll follow any new guidance going forward. Today on the show, how did Clarence Thomas keep these potential conflicts of interest out of the public eye for so many years And why do Supreme Court justices face such little oversight? I'm Mary C. Curtis, filling in for Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person, Anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The person bankrolling these luxury vacations is Justice Thomas's friend. Carlin Crowe. Crowe is a billionaire businessman from Dallas and a collector of artifacts related to the Third Reich, as well as other historical periods. He's also donated millions to Republican political candidates and is involved with a number of conservative legal groups interested in reshaping the Supreme Court itself.
0: You know, context here is that he, he's not just a businessman. He's somebody that has been deeply engaged in both electoral politics as a major campaign donor to Republicans, um, but also in the world of of, of kind of policy and influence, uh, including on legal issues. So he's he's given money, uh, significant amounts of money to groups like the Federalist Society, uh, you know, the Conservative Legal Organization, Um, he's a longtime board member of some influential think tanks like the American Enterprise Institute. So he's clearly somebody that is engaged in conservative legal issues. So, you know, we're, we're still trying to figure out what gets talked about on these vacations. I mean, he's spending an extraordinary amount of time with one of the nine or one of the six most powerful people in the country.
1: So tell me, do we know how they met and what their relationship is like?
0: Harlan Crowe in an interview was quoted saying that he he met Thomas at a conference where Thomas had been a speaker. Uh, This was after Thomas was already on the Supreme Court. So this was not like they were college roommates or something like that. And then from what we can tell from the public record and and, and talking to people that know them, um, the relationship seems to have very quickly escalated to a relationship where Harlan Crowe was just giving Clarence Thomas a a remarkable number of extremely expensive gifts, uh, some of which were actually properly disclosed in the early years. Kind of most famously, Crowe gave him like a copy of a Bible that uh, Frederick Douglass, the abolitionist, had once owned. Um, Thomas reported that properly on his ethics form, valued it at $19,000. That was just one of a bunch of gifts like that. Um, And You know, in our reporting, what we found is that the luxury travel he's been giving Thomas has been going on for more than 20 years. It's a very close relationship and a lot of money is being spent, at least by Harlan Crow.
1: You found in your reporting that Clarence Thomas has taken quite a few shorter trips on his private jet, on Crow's private jet from D.C. to New Haven uh, to a Catholic cemetery for an unveiling of a statue of Thomas's eighth grade teacher. So your reporting estimated that it it would cost about seventy thousand dollars a trip. So uh, Clarence Thomas makes two hundred eighty five thousand dollars a year. It seems that Harlan Crow can provide a lifestyle for Clarence Thomas that he really couldn't afford on his own.
0: Yeah, and um, you know, to you and me, or, or at least to me, uh, two hundred eighty five thousand dollars a year sounds pretty good. But you know. Private jet travel, I mean, and especially on the type of jet Crow has, which is a, a particularly nice private jet, it's just extraordinarily expensive. Um, we're able to confirm that Thomas has used the plane on, on multiple occasions. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, as you say, I mean, this is a, um, a well-paid public servant, but a public servant who is being afforded the lifestyle of, you know, a billionaire,
1: and I have to say that these luxury trips seem particularly ironic because I've just listened to him, Clarence Thomas, describe himself as someone who comes from, quote, regular stock. I prefer the RV parks. I prefer the Walmart parking lots to the beaches and things like that. But there's something
0: normal to me about it. I've come from regular...
1: I think I heard that in a film that Crow helped finance, so how does the extravagance of these trips compare with this public image of Clarence Thomas that he's tried to create for himself as regular folk
0: yeah it's interesting if you if you go back and look at Clarence Thomas's media appearances over the years and there there's not that many of them because he he generally doesn't talk to the press if you go back and look at the interviews he has given there you know there there's been what pretty clearly seems to be a deliberate effort to kind of craft this brand of of Thomas as a a regular guy, and you know, who's ordinary and kind of earthy. And, you know, somehow over the years, he's never mentioned the fact publicly that he is regularly flying on private jets and hanging out on super yachts with staffs of of private chefs uh, and that sort of thing. And so it's been it's, it's quite a contrast to the brand that has been built up around him as a regular guy.
1: It's impossible to know, as you said, what exactly was discussed on all these trips. Crow did give a statement that he's never tried to influence Justice Thomas's decisions on the court and that they're just simply really good friends. But Crow also has been a major Republican figure for decades. I think he's given more than $10 million in campaign donations that we know of. And he's donated, as you said, to conservative organizations like the Federalist Society and other groups that have a goal of shifting the court to the right, a pretty successful one. So it's hard to imagine that these fully funded trips would not pose some kind of conflict of interest for Thomas and that someone like Crow wouldn't have had a vested interest in Clarence Thomas and his role on the court, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Crow's statement that he's never sought to influence him, I mean, it's impossible for us to, you know, independently uh, verify that fully just because of how many of these trips there have been. But I think the most uh, striking thing that we found that sort of, um, you know, raises questions about that statement uh, is actually the painting um, at Camp Topridge, uh, the Adirondacks property. It almost looks like a photograph. Um, So it's it's five men sitting in in kind of uh, lodge-style wooden rocking chairs. And, you know, the the instantly recognizable person in the photo is Clarence Thomas. On the right of Thomas is Harlan Crowe. And then the the three other men are all uh, conservative lawyers. Most notably, one of them is Leonard Leo, who you know, is, is, is well known as a the kind of longtime Federalist Society official who has been a, incredibly influential in creating the current Supreme Court conservative majority with, with nominations and confirmations. Uh, he um, spends an enormous amount of money through organizations on, on political races and confirmation fights and that sort of thing. So you have a painting that Crow commissioned showing these five men in some kind of conversation. And they might just be talking about football, but the only thing that they, <laughs> uh, that they apparently have in common that we could tell is um, they're all involved in conservative legal politics in one way or another.
1: For most people, I think the first question that comes to mind when hearing about this is whether Justice Thomas getting free trips and perks from Harlan Crow is illegal. So based on your reporting, does it seem as though Clarence Thomas may have broken the law here?
0: So there's sort of two, there's sort of two categories of analysis on that for ethics law. One is whether you can accept the gift, and the other is whether you have to report it. And uh, one of the striking things we found as we sort of got deep into this is that the rules around accepting gifts for Supreme Court justices are incredibly lax. Basically, unless you're talking about somebody who actually has a case at the court, which is very few people, aside from those people, the rules around what gifts they can accept are you know, p- pretty much non-existent. The one thing the, that the law requires of them is that they report most gifts that are worth over around $400, in- including things like private jet travel. Uh, So in this case, Thomas did not report on his annual filing, which you can look up and download, any of these travel gifts. And, uh, you know, the ethics lawyers we talked to said that barring some sort of revelation of of new information that would change our understanding of this, he appears to just be repeatedly violating that law.
1: Supreme Court justices are exempt from disclosing meals, lodging, and entertainment, Paid for by an individual, the idea is that they shouldn't have to write down every time they stop by a friend's house for dinner. So some of these gifts from Crow would fall under that exception. But transportation, like trips on a private jet or a yacht, do not fall under the exception and are supposed to be disclosed.
0: One piece of evidence on this front is that, interestingly, Clarence Thomas himself actually did disclose a private jet trip from Harlan Crow once, uh, back way, way back in 1997, um, on his form, like he, he correctly disclosed it. And for reasons that are still very mysterious to us, you know, within a few years of that, he just stopped. The last 20 plus years, all of this has been completely undisclosed.
1: And even though Clarence Thomas wasn't flaunting these trips publicly, you said that some of it was hiding in plain sight. So Harlan Crow would make these customized T-shirts for the guests at these trips, and he would wear them. So you found photos of him wearing a shirt with Crow's yacht logo and the words March 2007 Greek Isles. He gave one of the yacht workers a signed copy of his memoir. If trips like these are clear violations and they've been going on for decades with these this kind of evidence here, why wasn't this discovered Sooner, do they have anyone out there corroborating when the Supreme Court justices make a disclosure that it's
0: correct? It's a great question and one that I don't know the answer to. Although I uh, I want to know the answer to. I mean, it's the whole process is just incredibly opaque. I mean, my experience, even going to the Supreme Court and, and Justice Thomas for to try to get an interview or even just written comment for this story was very strange. The Supreme Court is not a model of transparency. And that extends to um, these uh, ethics disclosures and the mechanics of of how that works behind the scenes, um, as far as I can tell, is, you know, basically a black box.
1: What is the punishment for failing to disclose gifts like these? And do you think that Justice Thomas will be penalized in some way?
0: You know the punishment it's it's interesting when when if you actually look at the forms um it says that you're signing and that there are you know potentially civil or criminal penalties if you i think it says knowingly or willful or willfully or knowingly and willfully uh fail to disclose things you're supposed to disclose, even though it says that and there are in theory uh civil or criminal penalties you know we we could find almost no examples. Mm-hmm of any enforcement of this law in the judicial branch, uh, and especially at the Supreme Court. They basically, from outside appearances, seem to be operating uh, in this, you know, with respect to ethics and disclosure with, like, pretty much impunity.
1: We'll be back after a break. Of course, whether or not a Supreme Court justice broke the law is important, but it seems to me that what's maybe even more concerning here is how much of this isn't actually breaking any existing rules and laws, because there's not much oversight for Supreme Court justices. You wrote in your article, you and your colleagues, the Supreme Court is left almost entirely to police itself. Now this is really different from other branches of government. I think people might be surprised to learn that. How do the regulations and oversights for Supreme Court justices compare to the rules for members of Congress or other government officials?
0: Yeah, um with Congress just to take the example, um you know, there are very lengthy ethics manuals you can download online for both the House and the Senate, um with with all kinds of strict rules around gifts. Um, So, you know, there's many, many gifts, even sort of small dollar value gifts, members of Congress aren't even allowed to take unless it's like from a family member or certain other exceptions. What we were told by people who specialize in congressional ethics is that even if you were getting a sort of expensive uh, dinner potentially from a friend or a stay at their house, uh, or a summer house, something like that, That something that you might actually be allowed to take. If it was uh, sufficiently large, you might actually have to seek formal pre-approval from the ethics committee. So the rules really are much more strict um, for pretty much everyone else in the government. You know, at, at the level of just like the federal bureaucracy, I've talked to federal workers, just sort of ordinary federal workers who are just extraordinarily careful about this sort of thing around even taking like nominal gifts like a keychain or something like that at a conference or having somebody buy them a meal.
1: Coincidentally, the Supreme Court did quietly change some of its gifting rules just last month. Justices now will have to disclose meals, lodging and entertainment paid for by businesses or organizations. But it still doesn't apply to gifts paid for by individuals. And it also doesn't prohibit the gifts from happening. I asked Justin whether this rule change was important or just a the technicality.
0: These are um, highly technical changes that are actually about the, the question of whether you have to disclose gifts, not even the more important question of, of whether you can accept gifts. And to change the rules about the acceptance, I think would, would take an act of Congress. So you know we actually spoke to several judges current and retired judges for this story to ask them about the the larger issue here which is just you know should a judge or justice be taking these sorts of lavish gifts over so many years from a businessman and political donor r- regardless of what the rules or the law say and all of the judges that we spoke to said They could not have imagined accepting this sort of thing. I mean, we spoke to one judge who told us that when she was on the bench, she was so careful about not wanting to leverage her title and position for for personal benefit that she wouldn't even identify herself as a judge when she was trying to get a restaurant reservation.
1: Beyond these laws, there's really no ethics code for Supreme Court justices. They can follow the ethics codes laid out for federal judges but they're not required to follow any ethical code, which has been a source of controversy. And in February of this year, didn't they say they had discussed it but failed to agree on an ethics code? So doesn't this seem like it's inevitably gonna cause some problems where these Supreme Court justices can really decide for themselves, well, we don't wanna have this?
0: uh yeah well i mean it comes it com- 's been coming up repeatedly, as you say the rest of the judiciary, like for federal judges, circuit court judges, that sort of thing they 're actually subject to an official code of conduct. you can look it up, and that code of conduct explicitly does not apply to the supreme court and it 's something that 's come up repeatedly over the years and um you know I believe it was three or four years ago that one of the justices while giving congressional testimony said that they were Looking at adopting a code or something like that, and you know, shockingly, uh, nothing has happened. Uh, so I I'm not holding my breath uh, on on them adopting their own code of conduct, but I, I guess we'll see.
1: You said you talked to s- several judges that are really surprised at all these revelations about Clarence Thomas. So he's kind of a special case. These luxury vacations aren't the first time he's faced ethical questions. I remember last year he received a lot of criticism for failing to recuse himself from cases involving the 2020 election in January 6th, even after it came out that his wife, Jenny Thomas, had been involved in efforts to overturn the election and had sent text messages to Mark Meadows and other Trump folks urging them not to accept the results. So... What kinds of rules exist now for preventing blatant conflicts of interest like this one?
0: Well, um, a- again, when it comes to the Supreme Court, um, there are no rules about recusal. Uh, they each justice decides on recusal on, on his or her own, and there's no way to appeal that decision. So, yeah, sort of most most notably in in recent times, um, there was at least a couple of legal matters touching on January 6th and the broader effort to, to overturn the results of the 2020 election. Um, of course, it's, it's come out that Ginny Thomas wrote emails to state legislatures urging them to overturn the results of the election and sort of flip it from Biden to Trump. And um, Clarence Thomas uh, did not recuse himself from those cases, some of which, you know, directly touched on uh, r- records of Jane Thomas's emails, for example, and uh, came under a lot of criticism for that among, you know, not just partisans, but serious lawyers. And uh, that's sort of just it. <laughs> there's, no, um, there's no way to appeal. There's no, uh, there's no one can, um, that can impose that decision on them. And so um, it's up to them.
1: Democrats in the House and the Senate have recently introduced legislation that would require a code of ethics for justices and establish a mechanism for investigating misconduct.
0: You know, I, I guess in general, I wouldn't bet on anything uh, at all getting through the current Congress. Um, but you know, there, there actually has been some bipartisan interest in recent years in um, in tightening up these rules around things like travel and acceptance of gifts. So we'll see.
1: Your team's reporting is very thorough, but I also wondered: is it possible? And you say you're still getting tips. That there's a lot we still don't know about the extent of all these perks accepted by clarence thomas over the decades
0: um i definitely think that's possible i think it might even be probable um which is which is why we're still reporting and would love to hear from people um but w- you know we just don't know uh it took a lot of work by by three of us including me to uncover what we did and the settings that we're talking about, these resorts and the yacht and the private jet, of course, like the word private is like right in the in, in the term uh, private jet. So it's, it's um, these are not sort of settings that are easy to get inside as a reporter and privacy is sort of the point. So very easily there could be more of this going on that, that has just not come out.
1: Thank you, Justin Elliott, for coming on What Next? My pleasure. Justin Elliott is a reporter at ProPublica, where he covers business and politics. That's the show. If you're a fan of What Next, the best way to support our work is to join Slate Plus. Go to slate.com slash whatnextplus to sign up. What Next is produced by Elena Schwartz, Anna Phillips, Paige Osborne, and Madeline Ducharme. We're getting help from Laura Spencer and Jarrett Downey. We're led by Alicia Montgomery with a little help from Susan Matthews. Ben Richman is the Senior Director of Podcast Operations here at Slate. And I'm Mary C. Curtis, columnist at Roll Call and host of its Equal Time podcast. Find me on Twitter. I'm at mcurtisnc3. Thanks for listening